Hi, everyone. Welcome to the MBA Insider Podcast. I am your host, Al D, and the author of MBA Insider. This podcast is for career-driven professionals looking for advice on how to grow their careers by leveraging the skills, experiences, and knowledge gained from an MBA degree. In each episode, I'll give you a look into the business school experience, along with practical tips, career advice, and real-life stories to help professionals grow their careers. All right. Today, I have a friend of mine who I was a former colleague, but also a friend, and someone who I featured in MBA Insider, John Huang. And John is someone who I really go to when I want to talk anything related to career development or business school. And I'm excited because we're going to talk today a lot about career development and what that means for MBA students, not only in business school, but how they can take that with them for the rest of their career. I think John is one of the best people to talk about this. So I'm really glad that John is, is here with me today uh, to cover this topic. So I guess just to start, John, thanks for joining me. And would you maybe just give a little bit about uh, yourself, your background, all of that good old fun stuff? Yeah, absolutely. Thanks a lot for that uh, wonderful introduction, Al. Excited to share my thoughts and my experiences with everyone and try to help out as many uh, MBA students as I can. So appreciate the opportunity. Um, so yeah, a little bit about myself. So I went to uh, University of Michigan Ross School of Business for business school. Um, so I graduated in 2015. Um, and yeah, after business school, you know, I was uh, thinking of moving my career towards like e-commerce and retail. So I spent about a year at Walmart as part of their strategy rotation program um, and got a chance to spend some time with uh, their sourcing team and uh, their Sam's Club online team. Uh, but as part of that process, um, you know, I had a chance to come out to the Bay Area and really started getting the entrepreneurial itch and wanting to like explore other parts of um, business that I really haven't spent a lot of time in, which, um, you know, drew me to join a 10-person startup um, called MindSumo, which was this ed tech startup, and uh, take on like a growth marketing role, which was something like completely new to me and I've never done before. Uh, But it was a great learning experience, and that led me to kind of continue this path um, down marketing, where I was able to join Twitter as a uh, marketing strategy and operations manager and really got a chance to Uh, just work across all these different marketing teams and different channels and really kind of uh, build out my passion and interest in marketing. And then most recently, um, I took a role um, at another startup called Jobcase out here in uh, Cambridge and um, led community and growth for for Jobcase. And Jobcase was this kind of, uh, I describe it as like the blue collar uh, LinkedIn to help uh, job seekers that are more like the hourly and frontline worker and had a lot of great opportunities to, to really take that experience between like marketing and operations and, and really, um, you know, build that out in my role. Great. Thank you for that intro. So let's, let's go back in time a little bit. So, you know, think back to, you know, business school, you know, why did you choose to go to business school in the first place? And maybe even, you know, what were you, what were you doing before then that ultimately led you to, to decide to apply to business school and go? Yeah, absolutely. So before business school, I was actually at Deloitte um, and did consulting for about four years um, in their technology practice. Um, you know, it was a great kind of four years where I built my business foundation, got a chance to explore different industries and work on different types of projects. And 
you know, for me, I, I think I, I realized like I didn't want to spend my entire career in consulting, but I wasn't a hundred percent sure, you know, what that next transition and move would be for me. So part of my decision making of going back to business school was like, hey, business school will give me the opportunity to really, you know, look into these other types of industries and these other types of careers that I haven't had a chance to really take much time to explore. Um, and also, you know, I knew a great network was such an important part of like making big career switches and would help me out longer term. So those are really kind of like the two things that really pushed me towards a business school. And, you know, I came into business school um, after finishing up some retail projects at Deloitte and really wanted to continue to explore, you know, different career paths that I could lead down into. So I uh, thought about, you know, going into e-commerce a little bit deeper, um, spent some time thinking about like CPG brand marketing for a bit, um, and then ended up, you know, taking my uh, summer um, of my first year going to a small like startup um, a pharmaceutical brand and then working in that environment because I was also interested to see like what a startup life would be because I've never done that before. So for me, again, it was a very unique opportunity to take some of these areas of interest that I had and really uh, kind of go deeper and see like what did I want to what did I want my career to move towards um, after business school? Yeah, and would love to go a little bit deeper there, particularly in terms of how you ultimately decided what you wanted to recruit for in your first year of business school. So it sounds like it was a little bit based off of your past work experience, but it also sounds like there was a couple different potential paths that you were you know, evaluating as to what you were going to do for that internship for the summer. So I'm just curious, what did you end up deciding on and, and how, did, were you, how did you go about that in terms of prioritizing one path versus another path? Yeah, absolutely. So I definitely went to as many corporate presentations as I possibly could squeeze into my schedule just to get some exposure across uh, different programs and companies. Um, I think I started my initial kind of search within, again, the traditional like CPG brand marketing and also a few of the um, kind of strategy like rotation programs that you see out there. So those are my two primary focus areas when I started the process. But I guess it was interesting because the more and more I kind of like sat through that process and really looked into those roles, I still kind of had this um, itch to really explore what it would be like to kind of like go through a startup and work with a much smaller company. Um, and I kind of went through this process in my head as like, when would be the time I would want to do this? Um, and I thought that, hey, my, my summer internship would be a great opportunity to do that because um, it, you know it was a very low risk kind of opportunity where like, Hey, I would have an opportunity to do this for three months. If I liked it, great. I could still continue to do this after business school. But, you know, for some reason I decided uh, startup life wasn't for me. You know, I could go back into a more traditional role and, and recruit full time for more traditional roles. So I think I came to that realization kind of like halfway through the um, initial first year recruiting process and say like, Hey, this is a unique opportunity that I will never really get again, and I should really take advantage of it. So I actually pivoted from, you know, doing on-campus recruiting to doing off-campus recruiting and looking at some, like, really interesting, like, startups, um, kind of in the CPG space and in the retail space, and really focused my attention on finding some of those unique experiences. And it was, you know, a tougher recruiting process because it was off-campus. I had to do a lot of cold outreach you know, there wasn't, you know, any formal recruiters at like a lot of these smaller startups. So it was a lot of trying to find the right person. 
But again, the beauty of going to business school is like you have this wonderful network. And I ultimately found um, my summer internship at Urgent RX, which is this small um, startup out of Colorado, um, because um, one of the um, uh, big in, um, uh, investors, or not investors, uh, donate. Um, Donors, uh, were, donors, yeah, to yeah. the business school was um, Sam Zell, who uh, runs a school of entrepreneurship um, at Ross. And he and this company was one of the companies he invested in. So it was just like an easy way to kind of like network my way in and, 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 and get in touch with someone at one of these startups. So that's kind of how I like um, planned my journey, made a little pivot along the way and actually, you know, had a really great um, summer internship come out of it. And get that experience of like, Hey, here's what it is for um, a small brand to try to build a presence and, and get into these big retail stores. Yeah, no, thank you for sharing that. And there's a bunch of things in there that I want to unpack. And I think maybe the first, the first one would maybe love to go a little bit deeper on. So that decision to move towards more of an off-campus search and really look for those, really look for those startups. I mean, I think it, it sounds like it was, it was a lot of work and it was, it was, you know, challenging, but I also know that, whenever you have to do a lot of work and whenever things are really challenging, there are a lot of lessons to be learned, you know, from that process. So just, you know, thinking back to having going through that, um, you know, what did you learn from that or how did that, how did that experience, you know, help you? Um, because I know it was a lot of work, but you know, what did you gain from having to do that and go through that? Absolutely. Actually, I'm so glad I went through that experience because it prepared me later on when, um, you know, I was, you know, laid off from a startup and looking for, you know, my next full-time role before I found Twitter, um, having gone through that experience of like, here's how to properly, you know, do cold outreach, leverage your network and, you know, have those conversations with someone you've never talked to before. Um, it was a lot of kind of trial and error and, and really understanding like, you know, how do you reach out to someone and kind of engage them in a way of like, Hey, I want to, you know, schedule 30 minutes you know, on your busy schedule to have a coffee chat with you. And, you know, here's why it'd be interesting for, you know, us to connect and then kind of um, going through the experience of like, all right, now here's how I research a company and understand like what they're trying to do. And here's how I have a great conversation with someone that I'm, I'm having, you know, a coffee chat with so that they're interested in me as well. And it was, again, a lot of kind of just going through those motions, practicing, seeing what worked, what didn't work that really gave me a lot of confidence going, um, you know, into the job search later on in my career. And I think that's what it is. It's like, it's building that confidence and knowing that, you know, if someone says no, or, you know, if you don't get any initial success that you just have to keep refining and trying and then figure out like, how do I then tap second and third degree people in my network to be able to get them to help me out and, you know, connect me with people that they know. So I think those were really the important lessons of, of really going through that process early on. Yeah, no, I think you're right. And I think that's one of the reasons why I was, was, I was glad to chat with you today, because I do think that so many of the things that you do learn in business school about this process and about career development are things that everyone should learn, but also that they don't just apply in business school. They're things that you can really take with you for the rest of your career and your living proof of that, just in terms of relying on them you know, far after you graduated. Um, I want to jump back into one thing uh, this is something that comes up a lot, and I would just be curious to get your take on it. So I think that, as you mentioned, one of the great things about business school is the opportunity to explore and to try out and evaluate a few different career tracks and opportunities. I think sometimes what I hear students struggle with, and certainly I've seen this myself, is that 
that can be overwhelming or it can be hard to really like figure out that thing that you want to do. So I'm just curious, do you have any thoughts or guidance as to, you know, for those students out there who might feel overwhelmed by it or aren't sure where to start? Like what are a couple tactical things that they can maybe do to, to, to getting to a point where they can, you know, figure out at least for the sake of recruiting, like here's, here's what I think I want to do and I'm going to go and try it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think the, the most uh, helpful and the best tactical thing to do is actually find people that are in the roles that you're interested in and just sit down and have a talk and get them to walk you through their day to day. And, you know, they'll give you a, a true like um, insight of the reality of what it is like to work in that role. Cause I think if you get us some of these presentations or you're reading about some of these roles, you know, you get this kind of like um, glamorous perception of the role and it may not always match up with like what you're actually looking for. So yeah. the ability to actually sit down and, and talk to someone and really understand what they do, I think is, is probably one of the most important things that, you know, I spent my time doing um, at my time at Ross. And I think that's where I actually made that decision. It's like, actually, I don't know if I want to do a traditional CPG brand manager role after kind of hearing through like what they're doing. I actually wanted to do something that was a little bit more kind of like startup-y and like, you know, hacky on the marketing end. Um, yeah. And that's where like, I think that's where I learned that kind of insight was actually those conversations. Um, I think another piece of it too is, you know, taking a lot of like a variety of classes. I think the classes expose you into like, oh, I actually enjoy this class. I pay a lot of attention to it and it helps you understand like why. Um, I think, you know, that going to, you know, business school, you can also go to some of these adjacent schools as well. Um, I know at Michigan, a lot of people, you know, took either entrepreneurship programs or they did, um, some computer science related programs. And that really kind of opened the door for them to really further explore here are some other areas that, you know, I had always had some interest in, but didn't really know as much about. So I saw a lot of students take advantage of that. Um, yeah. And I think, again, the third thing is, um, find like small projects, whether it's like, um, some of these like case competitions or, you know, if there's a way to reach out and do some of these like small projects through classes with some of these like companies and areas that you're interested in, I think that will also give you some exposure into, you know, what is it like to solve some of these problems that, um, you know, different industries have and, you know, the types of things that you enjoy doing. So, I think that was also kind of um, something that was helpful that I saw a lot of people who were interested in, you know, consultant, consulting or brand management go through some of these like case competitions and get a sense of like, all right, here's what it's like to actually do some of this work. Yeah, no, I think those are really great tactical pieces of advice and concrete advice. And I would also say as someone who has been doing quite a few informational interviews as of late, I think some of the best questions, if you really want to know what it's like to really ask are really around what you said of like, what is the nitty gritty of that job actually look like? So what, not only like, what does a day look like for you, but you know, what is a deliverable you just completed? Like, what is a milestone you just hit? Mm -hmm. And like, what did you do in it? If there's a cross-functional initiative you're working on, like, what is your specific role in it? And how does it contribute to what everyone, what the rest of the people are doing or specifically like what are the skills that you've had to use to to do your job or that you've had to learn in order for you to do your job um i think you know being able to ask questions like that are probably a, a lot uh, that will mirror uh, hopefully kind of augment whatever you learned in that info session of the high level overview of the company and like the if it's a program of some sort like what what you get but really getting that at specificity i think is the best way to get a better understanding short of to your point being able to work on a project related to that specific 
function or industry or what have you. But when people ask me those questions, I think those are the best ways in which I can help someone kind of think about if, you know, the particular industry or function that I'm in is like, is right for them. So um, I think, I think you're spot on when you talk about getting to that level of granularity. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, I guess maybe one more question to kind of close out on this topic. So we talked a lot about just the career of a development skills you learn, you know, kind of in business school. Um, I guess, could you maybe just like talk a little bit more about that in terms of like, what do you feel like are the things that you've really taken um, from your time in business school that you still think about or refer back to as you kind of architect and develop your career, you know, after business school? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's a great question. Um, I think some important areas, I think number one is like the relationships. Like I think for business school, it's all about building as many relationships with your classmates as possible. Um, That has, again, been such a powerful kind of um, benefit of coming out of business school is like now you have access to all of their networks. And if they know you, you've worked with them on projects or they just know you as a good person, you know, you're much more likely to get that referral, get that connection. Um, that, you know, makes that whole kind of job search or, you know, that opportunity later on your, in your career so much more helpful. So again, I definitely, you know, would say like invest in those like relationships and, you know, be, be mindful that, you know, it does take time, you know, it's like time that you're not recruiting or studying for classes. So you do have to balance and prioritize, but uh, don't underestimate the, the value of those relationships. Um, I think that would be like the first thing I would call out. Um, I think the second piece of it would be, um, again, just trying to find ways to kind of learn more about yourself through either the classes that you take, the clubs that you're part of, the projects that you do, so that you have those kind of data points to refer back to and say like, oh yeah, I remember when I took that class in business school that, you know, it wasn't as interesting as I thought it was going to be. So maybe this role isn't actually, you know, a good fit for me. Or, you know, oh, I remember I was part of this group and we, you know, did this project and I really enjoyed that. So maybe, you know, as my next career move, I should find more work that's related to that. So I think that, again, being mindful of like, hey, let me get myself exposed to as many different experiences as I possibly can, just so I have those data points. Uh, Super, super useful. Um, Yeah, I would say those are probably the two additional things I would call out. No, I think that's great advice. And I, I really appreciate the fact you talk a little bit about being able to make time and space to reflect. I think that though, the key part of that, as you mentioned, is being able to have those data points available. Um, because, you know, I think for some, like, I think I'm going to make the assumption for you and I, it's a little bit easier to reflect. It's just kind of the nature of who we are. But I also, I know that that's not inherent in everyone, but I think the best place to start, if you're someone who wants to be more self-reflective, but isn't, is to be able to have a bunch of data points and examples and then to be able to kind of synthesize them and understand them and then think about them and process them. And if you can make a continuous habit, I think of doing that, I think it can really open up and lead you to some interesting insights and opportunities, you know, far after you graduate um, from, from business school. And I think the other point that I think what you're getting to as well is that um, careers are evolving, are evolving by the sheer um, nature of them, right? They're not static. Like they don't stay the same, But that's also why, you know, every so often you should be kind of thinking about and looking at those data points and and self-reflecting because 
that is what can help you kind of think about, you know, what is the next opportunity when it comes time for that? Or, oh, I have been, you know, really working and executing for a while. Like I do need to kind of take a breath of fresh air and just take a step back and really think about this. So I think those are just, I think the, the two things you mentioned are two really great examples of how you really get exposure to that in business school, but how you can really take that with you, you know, far after you graduate. Um, so let's talk about that. So you graduate from Ross. Um, could you talk a little bit about, so you interned obviously ever startup, but could you talk a little bit about, you know, what you did in your first kind of post MBA job and, and what that was like? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, my first job out of business school was at Walmart. It was um, as part of a newly developed um, finance and strategy rotation program. Um, and it was built to, um, again, get fresh MBAs exposed to different parts of the uh, business. And, um, you know, my first rotation was actually working with the um, supplier negotiations team to kind of talk through and renegotiate contracts. So it's kind of interesting to see and be part of that experience because you, know, you always hear about Walmart having this crazy leverage when it comes to negotiations. And it's true, you know, being on that side, it's, it's been, you know, a really interesting kind of experience to see how that operates. Um, and then, yeah, I was lucky to have a second rotation in um, Sam's club um, online. So I really wanted to uh, get deeper into e-commerce and learn about the ins and outs of that and being able to do uh, a FP&A function within that, you know, really gave me exposure of like, you know, here's how the company, you know, builds a strategy around like financial goals and here's how they're evaluating their performance. And that was, um, again, a very kind of like great solid experience for me coming out of business school because it was very structured. Um, again, it gave me a lot of exposure um, and, you know, opened a lot of different doors as well in terms of like me discovering, like, you know, where do I want to go next and what was interesting to me? Nope. I think that's, that's great. And so the next place you went was a little bit different than Walmart though. Is that fair to say? Uh, it was a complete 180 if I had to describe it. So I went from like the largest company in the world to a 10 person startup, um, called MindSumo and, Again, this was like an interesting choice for me um, because um, I think for me, after kind of going through that rotation program and realizing like, what excites me, what's, what interests me, I still had kind of like this itch of, hey, what it would be like to build something, you know, from scratch and kind of like having the ability to own something. And I think I was, I also had this um, desire really to kind of pursue some more, um, uh, experiences in marketing as well. Cause um, you know, part of the areas I studied was also marketing in addition to um, some more like the finance and the accounting. Um, and, you know, for me, it was about how do I break into marketing without having direct marketing experience? So for me, it was, Hey, I bet that a startup will be more willing to take a risk on me. And, you know, I can use that as a way to get my foot in the door and yeah, that's, that's exactly how I positioned it. You know, I took some uh, experiences that I've had in the past that were marketing related and kind of pitched a role to this small 10 person startup. And, you know, they gave me a chance to, to jump in. And that's where, you know, I really started picking up my marketing experience and knowledge and, you know, being able to run marketing campaigns, being able to experiment, being able to, you know, try to build a brand. Like those are things that, you know, if I were to go to a much larger established company, it would have been much harder for me to get my foot in the door because, you know, they usually look for people who've done it already. And 
you know, again, this, I, I thought of it as a stepping stone and also a learning experience. And if I really wanted to continue going to startup route, or if I eventually would want to return to something a little bit larger and more mature. So again, it was a great kind of like one year experience where I learned a ton and really felt like I built up my marketing expertise. Um, but also then kind of positioned me to figure out like, all right, what I want to do next is to still be in tech and still be very consumer oriented. So what does that look like? Yeah, no, and I, I really am interested in that experience and that transition um, because what you did in terms of being able to market and position yourself for a role that you didn't necessarily on, on paper have experience in, um, you know, and a lot of, for a lot of people, that is their holy grail, right? Like that is what they're, they want to do. I'm just curious if you could talk a little bit more about what you went through in that interview process or those interview processes to really convey to recruiters and hiring managers that you could still be the right person for the job, even if you didn't have that specific job title, you know, previously. Yeah, yeah. I, I would say, you know, it's, it's a very, like, scary experience to say, like, do I take the risk of going to a small startup that, you know, you don't know if it's going to be around, you have no idea, you know, how the company operates, because no one's ever heard of it. But, you know, I think the way I framed it in my mind is like, hey, this is a continuation of business school, where I'm using this as a learning experience, um, took a, you know, massive salary cut, but you know, being okay with that and just knowing that like, hey, this is only temporary. I'm going to learn from this. You know, if this startup ends up doing really great and it goes somewhere, huge bonus. If it doesn't, you know, again, the experience is what matters and getting that, um, that title, you know, growth marketer on my resume and getting those experiences saying like, I've run these campaigns before and saying, and be able to talk through that, um, that was more valuable than the pay that I gave up. So I think that's the mindset. I think it is having that mentality of like, Hey, you know, you're going to have to trade off. You're, you're not going to be able to jump in your dream role right away. This is just a stepping stone to get there. Um, now, as far as how I got my job, um, you know, I had to be super creative to be honest. Cause again, there was not much on my resume that said like this guy, like new marketing and could really, you know, help this startup um, in a way right off the bat. If you were just to look at my resume. So my workaround on that is when I applied, I basically put together a 90 day plan of what I would do when I got the role. I, I said, here are the five campaigns I would run and here's why I would run them. Here are the metrics where I'm going to measure those campaigns to tell you whether or not they're successful and here are some other kind of opportunities that I'm seeing as, you know, a marketer so that I'm putting myself like in that role right away. And I think that worked well because, you know, if your, your hiring manager is looking at you, they're like, what, what I'm going to do with you? Do I have confidence that you'll be able to get started right away? Am I going to have to like teach and coach this person? If you give them a plan and it makes sense, then like that worry's gone. They can just be like, all right, if we hire this guy, he's going to hit the ground running. He knows what he's doing. And I agree with his approach. So I think to me, that was the big difference maker was not to blindly apply everywhere, but actually take my time, like sit down, understand the company, research it, put myself in the role of like, what would I do in the first 90 days? And then just pitch that. No, I love, I love that you were able to go in detail on it because I think that this is something that job seekers, whether they're MBA students or just uh, regular employed job seekers or employed job seekers, this is something that I think in they get the advice they need to do, but no one actually puts it into action or isn't unsure of how to do it. And I think you outlined a really good approach to it. And a couple of things that stood out to me are number one, you're right. The spray and pray approach of applying everywhere is, is, is really hard to be successful, particularly when you don't have the experience and you're looking for a job. 
um, that, or you're looking for a job when you don't have the experience for it and mm-hmm. being a much more targeted and being much more thoughtful about where you apply and the, what you're, what you're articulating that you bring to the table is super, super critical. And I think the other thing to your point, recruiters and hiring managers, when they can, they will always choose to de-risk, right? The cost right. of a bad hire can be very costly. And a lot of times the lazy way to do that is to look for people who are applying, who have that specific role on their resume. Um, Mm -hmm. And so that's just human nature. And a lot of us can't change that, but what you can change and what you did, which I think is really valuable is you prove that you had the skills by putting together that 90 day plan where you can clearly demonstrate that you have the abilities and the skills to go and do the job. And that will help help the recruiter and the hiring manager de-risk, you know, you're connecting the dots for them. And I think, that is something that I think people struggle to do a lot of times. And I think you, uh, I think you were able to do it. And then the other thing I was just going to say is I'm curious, I'm going to be leading the witness here, but I have a feeling you're going to say the right thing. So um, (laughs) once you got the job and once you were able to put growth marketer on your LinkedIn, were you getting hit up by recruiters for growth marketing roles once you had that? Yeah, absolutely. I think once once you have that title and it shows up on searches for recruiters, then again, yeah, they, then it definitely helps get exposure because at the end of the day, you know, when you see the aggregate of like, hey, okay, this person's only been a growth marketer for less than a year, but, you know, he's worked at Deloitte, he's worked at Walmart, he's got credibility, like, you know, he went to Michigan and now he's done a year as a growth marketer that I think that exposes, you know, uh, or at least opens up you know, you to a whole number of new opportunities that didn't exist before. And at the end of the day, it's like, you can take that experience and speak really intelligently about it. You can now optimize your profile and your resume to have the right keywords for those recruiters to look for. Because now I could go in and say, yep, I've done SEO before. I've optimized all the content on this page. I ran an email campaign. Here are the conversion metrics I looked at. Here's how I would run that campaign differently. Like, you now can start talking very intelligently and, and match what exactly, you know, that hiring manager is looking for. Yeah. Yeah. And I only led the witness partially because I had the same experience myself in terms of what before, when I wasn't a product marketer, I was not getting hit up for product marketing roles within two months of moving over to that role. I started getting inbox requests all the time. I can confidently tell you I was not an exponentially better product marketer two months into the job. But because I had the title, recruiters started paying attention. And so if you, and then the reason why I tell that story is just to articulate and to show people sometimes, number one, you know, as you think about your LinkedIn profile and your resume, making sure that you're conveying the skills and experiences for the job that you're applying for and making sure that it's targeted and doing the homework to do that. Um, but number two, as you think about to what John did in terms of being able to put together that compelling story and that value prop, um, when you don't have the experiences, that is the thing that sometimes can help you get that experience. Um, and then once you have it, like you're, you're good to, you're, you know, you're good to go. Um, the other thing I just wanted to say, and I think it, you, the, you said it and it's good. And, and I just know in reality, it's much easier said than done. But you accepted that there are trade-offs that you have to make, particularly sometimes when you're trying to make a career pivot. And in addition to that, I think just given the economic times right now, there might even just be more trade-offs you have to make sometimes when the job market is a little harder, right? And in Mm -hmm. your case, the trade-off that you had to make was that for the specific thing that you were looking to do, you may not necessarily get the level or the salary that 
you know, you would have been accustomed to, or that you would have had, had you kept going on the path that you were on. But that was a trade-off that you decided that you were willing to make because you really mm-hmm. wanted the experience. And I think what that means for you, or what I think it meant for you was that you were very clear and you're at least in your head or directionally of like where you wanted to go or like, what was the next step for you? And mm-hmm. so I just think that for anyone out there who's having trouble, I think um, you don't have to have it all figured out, but to the degree that you can have some overarching longer term kind of anchor points, I think that does help force you to make shorter term decisions or at least prioritize how you make those decisions because um, you can't really have it all with respect to like that perfect job. But um, having right. that overarching thing kind of helps prioritize at least. Is that fair? Would you say? That- definitely fair i think it's it's important to remember like you have a very long time in your career yes <laughs> taking you know a one to two year detour is perfectly fine uh yeah. does not set you back so yeah. again you know knowing that the trade-off of like hey you may have to take a lower level or you may have to take a pay cut but ultimately it gets you closer to where you want to go and you will make that back later on your career as it continues to accelerate once you get your foot in the door um, I think it's important to have that mindset. So, you know, whether it is having to go work for a small startup or if you're having to like, you know, work for a little no pay volunteering at like an accelerator or something like that. Like there, there are ways for you to kind of get that foot in the door, but knowing that it pays off in the long run. Yeah. And, you know, I think to the, um, I think sometimes people in business school in particular, but even outside of that, they, they think of careers kind of like what I call a business school chart where everything goes up and to the right. Right. And in reality, I think there are very few people who have actual careers that look like that, right? Like Mm -hmm. it's a little bit more of like going like a journey up a mountain, right? Like you're kind of taking like a couple tours and sometimes you have to go down and go back up or you go left and right instead. And like, um, it doesn't always mean like just trucking along, just kind of going up on an upward path. Um, So, Yeah. yeah. yeah, exactly. I think part of it too is kind of like the, the social aspects are like even part of like, you know, yeah. an ego coming into play. It's like, Oh, you see all your friends at these big name companies making huge salaries. You know, I'm making this pivot that's taking me in the wrong direction. Like, you know, there's some of those kind of effects that come into play as well. But sure. I think again, you just realizing that, Hey, this is an investment. In my career is short term, you know, and not letting that kind of get to your head is also super important because otherwise you're going to be like, Nope, I rather, take this cushy job at this brand name because, you know, all my other friends are, you know, taking these similar roles. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it ends up putting yourself in, you know, you know, again, jobs that you may not be happy with or, you know, pivot you in directions that you may ultimately not want to go long-term. Right. Right. I'm curious. I mean, cause I, I think what you're articulating is something that a lot of people think about or feel. Um, and, and I think by you kind of acknowledging that, I'm sure you've felt that before. I'm curious what, um, what do you kind of do to kind of get over that or like ignore, ignore that or like let that feeling subside? Because I think part of it's just human nature, right? In terms mm-hmm. of wanting to compare yourself. I mean, since for many of us, since we were kids, like that's what you do, right? Um, right. That's how you got to get into an AP class. That's how you got to get into a good college. That's how you got to get into Deloitte and to get into business school. Like how, like how have you learned to maybe silence that or like turn that off? Because I think it's a, I think it's a challenge for many people. Yeah, it's it's definitely difficult to do. I think for me, just like, 
I also kind of spent time like reading about other stories of how like people got into like different jobs and different like interesting yeah. careers. And yeah. if you read more into that, you see like, yeah, everyone, a lot of people got into these great roles in very unconventional, untraditional ways. And it's because they took some sort of risk or, you know, take, took some sort of left turn that everyone else didn't take that got them to that point. And I think focusing more about like, Hey, stories like that, um, definitely takes your mind off of like, Hey, what is everyone else doing? Right. And yeah, I mean, I, I think that, that, that's, that's, was the big key to me was just like, Hey, I, I see the end goal of where I want to get to. And that's where I focus my attention and then realizing like, there's more than one way to get there and I shouldn't pay attention to other distractions that aren't relevant. Right. Which, you know, for me, it was like what everyone else is doing because everyone else yeah. wasn't following the same path I was yeah. following. No, I think that's absolutely right. And I and also really like the fact that you said that there could be multiple paths that you could take to get to that end goal, right? Like there's not necessarily going to be just one. And I think there with, with that is there's probably a whole bunch of things that could happen in your career that you can't even think of right now because they just, um, they just don't register across your mind. And so, um, and that's not to say you should not think about it, but it's just kind of to acknowledge the fact that there's a, there's also always going to be a lot of unknowns. And, and I think what you're articulating that or what I take as that is to, um, to, to be firm on like, to get to a firm point of like where the end is, but like be flexible on the means of which, of how you, you kind of get there because there are, there are lots of ways, you know, to get there. Um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And again, it's kind of different by, by, by person, mm-hmm. right? Like, so, yeah. you know, you're going to have, um, some people that are a little bit more risk adverse and they like sure. having a structured career path at something that's a little bit more established. I think I'm more on the other end of the spectrum of like, I'm okay with the risk and yeah. constant change just to really find what I enjoy doing and find these like unique opportunities. It's just, it's going to vary a lot by, by person. But again, it's, it's important to know that like, if there's something that's really interesting, then you just being willing to take that leap and, and realize like there's different ways to get where you want to go. Yeah. So you're five years out of business school now. Um, so a happy anniversary. Um, <laughs> Thank you. But um, so you're five years out, which is like a pretty good chunk of time, but still you're, you have plenty of years left in your career. I'm just curious how you think about where you are in your career right now and like how you think about continuing to grow it and mature it, you know, knowing that you've been out for a little bit, but there's still plenty of opportunity left for you to, to work in your career. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's, yeah, like it's been a very interesting five years. Again, I would say mine's been a very unconventional like five years. I would say, let's see, uh, I have had four jobs in those five years, but again, some of it was in my control. Some of it was not, but it, all the positions and roles that I've taken have, you know, been kind of thoughtful in terms of like discovering and pursuing areas that I've always been kind of interested in and want to continue to go down. Um, and find new opportunities with. And, and again, some risk being involved with leaving very comfortable places like Walmart or Twitter and, and, and really pursuing these other alternative paths that, again, are, are going to allow me to grow and develop and get me exposed to a lot of different things. Um, I think that was kind of the key for me. Um, and that was, I would say, like the an interesting path I took in my most recent career transition, which was you know, leaving a really great job that I had at Twitter, you know, as, you know, a marketing strategy and operations manager and going back into the startup world and joining job case where actually I didn't have a job going in. Like I, they made a role for me because I was, um, you know, very passionate about certain areas of marketing and working with, um, 
users and I was very passionate about helping job seekers and, and helping people with careers that, that came across and they were able to make a role for me. Um, and I think that was really because, again, I've been taking these different kind of paths to, to get me the right experiences and really focusing on like, where do I want to go? What's my story and how do I tell it? So for me, it's continuing to really understand myself and doing that self-discovery that you mentioned earlier. I think that was very important. And for me, it's like, hey, I really enjoy like um, marketing, technology, connecting stories and people together. And how does that translate into different career paths that I can go into? So I think those are the, the considerations that have been kind of guiding me down these different journeys and these different um, paths that I've been on the last five years. I think that's great advice. And I, I think those are all great things to be thinking about as you look forward. And I know that, you know, given right now, there's a lot of MBAs out there who are job searching uh, for full-time opportunities. And certainly we're in a very, you know, challenged time in terms of the world, but also in particular the job market. I'm just curious, you know, what advice do you have for MBAs right now who are in the throes of a job search, just, you know, based off what you know from your own job searches in the past, but also just, you know, from your knowledge as, um, you know, kind of being someone who's have been very thoughtful about their career. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, this is a tough time for sure. It's very, you know, it's having gone through, you know, graduating during the financial crisis and, you know, 2008, 2009, I saw part of it. And then, you know, this is one, again, very similar in terms of like this black swan event that happened and so much uncertainty right now where a lot of businesses are either um, freezing their hiring or just stopping it completely. Um, I mean, I would say like, you're going to have to be a little bit flexible in terms of like what you're looking for, knowing that, Hey, I may not have my dream role ready or like the companies that would typically hiring may not be hiring, but you know, what are other roles that I can kind of look for or take that will get me back on track once, you know, the economy recovers and these companies are hiring again and just really being able to do your homework. I think it means being really scrappy. And I think now more than ever is being very proactive in your outreach and talking to people. And I think that's where you find these kind of hidden opportunities that may not be, you know, super visible, you know, may not be on a job board, but if you're a great kind of person who's really smart and really driven, like, you know, I think sometimes you find some companies willing to just bring you in and being able to like find something for you as well. So I think it is just being flexible, being scrappy, uh, doing your homework, being proactive and realizing like these are different times and you have to use different tactics that, you know, um, may, may not be the norm for, for, you know, times that, uh, you know, normal business times. Yeah. I think that's great advice, John. Uh, for joining the podcast today. Really appreciate your insights and sharing your story. It was super, super valuable. Absolutely, Al. Glad to be able to help um, everyone else out there. And I know it's tough times right now, but definitely, you know, don't, don't lose hope and, and continue to, to, you know, take the time to make the most out of your MBA and, 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 you know, think about your careers. I think there's a lot to be said that like, this is an incredible two years that you have coming up. So take, make the most out of it. Hi, everyone. LD here. And thank you so much for listening to the MBA Insider Podcast. If you liked what you heard, make sure to head over to Apple Podcasts and to write a review. It will only take 15 seconds. I'd also love to hear what you've been listening to on the podcast and any suggestions you have for how we can improve. Find me on LinkedIn or head over to mbaschooled.com backslash podcast.